Why don't y'all uh, introduce yourself briefly? I'm Kote. I work here in, at VMware World here on our uh, the Tanzu Talk podcast. How about uh, how about the one with the blue shirt? You introduce yourself briefly. Hi all, that'll be me. Uh, I'm Ed Grigson. Been at VMware for about eight years. Made a mix of marketing and other, and before that, a long time on the customer side. So, and that's all you need to know about me. And last but not least. Hello, I'm Ben. I work as well with uh, with Michael in the uh, marketing uh, team for uh, for Tanzu over at VMware. So what what I thought we would uh, start here. I will we'll go we'll go a little more in depth about ourselves and plans and stuff at the end so that it's not too much meta stuff, but we uh, it's been a long time since we've had a, a Tanzu Talk podcast in the old format of going over fun news and things like that. And so uh, that's that's what we'll be up to here. I I always I've learned you never promise to do anything that uh, uh, means you will do some, something on a regular cadence because then inevitably you won't and you just do it once. But we will not fail at that, will we? We'll, we'll, be, we'll be great. I think, I think our enthusiasm will overcome uh, our lifestyle of leisure, uh, essentially, or, or my pull for that, at least. But We'll find out. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Only the future will tell. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they... so far we like hanging out, so yeah, know, that's a good, good omen. Yes, okay. that's good. So, that's yeah. good. I, I think I, I like y'all's, uh, I like y'all's optimism. It's it, hopefully it's infectious, and I haven't taken been inoculated against it. Don't don't do that. Well, why don't we start off? I, I'm gonna we're gonna try out a, 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 an idea here. We're gonna call it Ed's most thrilling news from last week. It's a bit long, but I think I think uh, we'll see if it might be uh, an available domain name. Uh, we might do dot limo <laughs> dot plumbing. I don't know dot news. <laughs> well, we'll have to think about that one. Uh, so, what? Uh, th this is the week of August first. Uh, you know, twenty twenty two, and I think July was one of those months that has thirty one days. So I'm not really sure. I can't do math that quickly. But what? Uh, what do you think was fun last week? You keep up with the news in our sector. What? What caught your eye? Um. I'm not sure I'd describe any of this as thrilling. I guess it depends, you know, on your, your background and things. I always hear these thrilling, exciting, we're going to delight our customers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, Microsoft released some more tech for developers. Um, but basically, so <laughs> one of the ones that I did at least spawn thing, okay, that looks kind of interesting. Where does it fit? Um, I think it's probably technically two weeks ago. I may be going outside of our remit there. But um, yeah, they released something called the Azure Developer CLI of which I suspect Microsoft already have like 15 or 20. Um, it's a pretty generic name. You know, if you Google it, you're going to get a million other things. But this looks, so it's A, it's like, you know, the actual uh, incantation, I'm going to call it, is AZD. So that's your actual command line. Mm. It feels to me a bit like CF push. As in, you know, the idea is it's very much saying to developers, there is a ton of complexity around. We've seen this in a million different areas and vendors and products. Um, there is a huge amount of sort of infrastructure available to developers nowadays to get stuff done, but it's kind of overwhelming. You know, golden path, whatever you want to call it. This is another of Microsoft's attempts to say, we've got all this Azure stuff for you, but you don't know how to use it. You don't know how to plumb it together. There's a thousand different options and script languages. We're going to try and simplify it for you and bring it together into one Uber template um, where you can spin up the infrastructure deploy your code, sort of integrate with CI/CD, but it's a single command line to do the whole thing. Um, and that's sort of in a nutshell is what they want. They want you to consider that whether it's, you know, build or push or monitor, there's a single command, you run it for each one, Bob Trunkle, you're done. 
Um, and and is is the is the do you think the intention is that like it's for all of the things in Azure, like that you can get all, like kind of a, one unified CLI for that, or it's just components of it, or like what do you think the the scope it's bits is? of I guess right because nothing's ever gonna cope with the whole of Azure, which is just this huge beast. I mean, right now I I couldn't tell you how many Azure services there are nowadays. Somewhere between one hundred and two hundred, I would guess. Mm. Um, this that's a lot of flags for a command line tool. It is. This covers four services today, so you know they're starting small as they have to. Um, I don't know if I've got a note of which four it was. I should have, you would think. When you, there we go. So Azure App Service, Azure Functions, Azure Container Apps, and Azure st Static Web Apps. Hmm. So those are the four that right now you could write a template for that would spin up those services in the background and then deploy your code on straight onto them and then potentially be able to monitor them as well all through this new CLI. Um, so, you know, it's interesting in that there's... A, I've, I have not kept up with every Azure service because it'd be a full-time job and I can't do all that. Um, so I look at a lot of these and think already that still feels, even though it's four of a small subset, which do I use? Um, and, you know, I assume the people using it are more familiar with how that would work. It supports a, a variety of different languages. It's interesting because I guess also a lot of my time is spent looking at Kubernetes stuff. And I've been learning a lot of that over the last couple of years. And this one is not Kubernetes-centric. You know, right now, AKS isn't even on that list. It's on the roadmap. It's going to get planned for. Um, but you couldn't right now spin up an AKS cluster in the background and deploy your code to it using this tool. Mm. Um, I'd imagine that's going to be pretty much next up on the list, but not yet. And that's, you know, I've seen lots of other companies coming in. And one of the other bits of news we can talk about soon is to do with another company who are sort of targeting that. Um, this one, doesn't it? It's a bit more broad-based. You could, you know, and I suppose you can see it. There's all these services. They have more of a problem than some others because it is a build-your-own toolkit. All the clouds are. Um, they need a bit more logic to stitch the services, the development, and make it work a bit more seamlessly. Yeah, it, it seems like if you have a, uh, a bevy of services, if that's still a word, like a, a whole bunch of things, having a uh, being able to integrate to the command line, so to speak, is usually the best option. It's just sort of uh, to be to be able to reach in there instead of bouncing between a bunch of UIs, which, and then I mean, hopefully you follow the the old patterns of being able to uh, pipe things together, all the Linux based ways of doing things. Now, now Ben, you run Zoom on Linux, so you you must know a lot about command lines. Do it, you know. I I think I think maybe for just for like a a, a contextual uh, sort of thing, like do you think do you think nowadays in like the cloud land? command lines are done well and pervasive enough or is it or, or is like doing things through the command line like a lagging sort of developer experience thing or, or like does it is it usually done first or second or like what where are we like have we perfected the command line interface for developers to the cloud or is there still work to be done there i think uh, i think some experiences are very very good i, I like the uh, the language now used in command lines has changed you know, a great deal over the years. And the, the point that we're at now where it's sort of conversational almost is very easy to work with, you know, and it makes command lines mm. much more accessible, much more powerful. Um, kubectl is a great example of that. You know, you can, uh, you know exactly what, what, what it is that you're after doing. You're doing a get or a describe or whatever. There's certain standardization to it, but it's also very pluggable. So I think... Uh, I think they've come a long way from uh, from 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 where they were, you know, many years ago, and they definitely have a a really valid part of the uh, of the experience. You know, um, most of the web runs headless anyway. So. 
<laughs> so right. you kind of have to be, uh, you, you know, have some competence, I think, in uh, in the world of uh, command lines in order to uh, to be able to survive that sort of cloud native push and the, uh, the 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 modernization, the transformation demanded by the cloud. I think it's. Uh, yeah, it's kind of like an essential skill set, I think. Yeah, you know, I, I haven't thought about that. I, you know, I, I, I must. What's the word they use? They like the phrase like full transparency. I, I don't really ever use the command line anymore. I just, you know, make slides and other goofy things. But when, when I do see command line things, they are a lot more uh, humane is the wrong word, but they're a lot more human. Just like the, the commands yeah. are very descriptive and uh, there's a lot less little double hyphens and weird things than... Uh, back in my day which which was have nice you seen relaxing have you seen the great stuff that you can do with slides on the command line there are, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. i i have i have <laughs> I, I i have seen a little bit I, I forget the name of the there's some javascript framework that some people use to do some yeah. you know, some slide thing and then one day i'm going to be forced to learn how to use like git in real detail because i'm just going to be collaborating with someone and they're going to be like you got to you got to go do your slides over here and i'll say like okay give me a couple days to go take a course and, and oh yeah, that Git is a challenge. Yeah, I, I'm challenged by it regularly. It's uh, it's it's not the easiest in the world. It's not because of the command line though. It's because of version control. Yeah, <laughs> version control. It's, is it's complicated power. on its own. This, this, <laughs> this is true. Well, well, Ed, what I think there's two other pieces of thrilling news news from last week. What uh, you want to just give us a little 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 taste of it? Yep, I will. So the other one which I alluded to before was Mirantis. Um, I have acquired a company called Amazee.io, um, which wasn't one I'd heard of before, uh, who build themselves as a zero ops application delivery hub for Kubernetes. So I said, so this one is all Kubernetes centric and Mirantis obviously used to be sort of OpenStack, I think still are, um, but also have the, the Kubernetes platform that this is now going to hook into. And the idea behind this acquisition is that Again, focusing on developers and making life easier for them and how to stitch together both their code and infrastructure. And coming back to our lovely CLI conversation there and sort of GitOps, the idea will be they check code into a, a Git repository, which triggers automatically the building up of the required infrastructure in the background. Mm. And that's what Amazee, which is based on an open source Lagoon project does. So it will look at the code and fire up, whether that's Kubernetes clusters, extra namespaces, and deploy your code into it and then help you monitor it. So again, that same focus on making it just quick and easy for developers to spin stuff out without having to learn Kubernetes, I think is the key, at least in their case, certainly. Um, we all know there's still a learning curve in there um, and that's something obviously we try and address as well. And this is sort of Marantz's, um bid to get more involved in that, that side of things, I guess. And then how about like the last piece? Oh, go ahead, Ben. Well, I, I, you know, and this is this also speaks to the, the sort of general push to DevOps, doesn't it? And the yeah. the, the idea of having, um, you know, your your infrastructure as uh, something that is version controlled and is changed via version control. And I think um, it's it's recent to me, and I've not really experienced that until I started working more on um, on things like uh, the Tanzu application platform. So. Um, I, I find that absolutely fascinating. I'm very uh, interested to see how many different products there are in this space and what what they bring to the table that's unique about each particular product. Can't say I know a great deal about this one, Ed, but, um, but it sounds like um, more momentum in that direction, which, uh, which is clearly a thing, right? 
Yeah. And it's all around again. It's making it easier. And I think you can look back, you know, 10 years plus to everyone. I mean, longer than that, right? But everyone's been trying to get out the way of developers and say, you guys do your things and it just works for you. And whether it was ITIL back in the day of sort of standardizing that and being going, right, we will just make sure this is operanized and as efficient as possible. And now it's obviously gone to code and sort of everything as code and GitOps, everything becoming more and more self-service because suddenly there's more infrastructure. It used to be quite simple, right? Just, oh, you need a server, then you need a VM, right? That's fairly quick and easy. We'll do that. We'll hand over the VM, we're done. Now there's a million different building blocks. And suddenly it's more complex to then get back out of the way. All this extra stuff's coming in, even though it's more power, more choice, potentially a lot more you can do with it. Um, and it definitely does feel like momentum everywhere is towards how do you bridge that gap, you know, the developer gap, whatever everyone's going to call it. But there's an interesting push to that direction. And for, as an infrastructure guy myself, I find learning that, all that stuff, you know, like you were saying, Michael, getting back to CLIs. Um, and when I did all my sort of CKA stuff, I actually really enjoyed getting back to command lines, but it'd been a long time since I'd done it a lot because I did a bit of coding back in the day and everyone said Visual Basic was going to take over the world and then PowerShell was going to take over the world. And they all kind of stayed somewhere in the background. You learned them, but you know, and here we are again, the third generation of now you must code. Coding is everywhere, except it kind of is more this time around. Mm-hmm. It's it's sort of maybe instead of taking over the world, it's more you know you got you got the uh, you got like the Star Trek political universe and the Star Wars political universe, and the Star Wars political universe is very zero sum. It's like either the Empire is in charge or the Rebels or whatever they call themselves are in charge. Whereas in the Star Trek universe, there's multiple like political outfits and races, like in, in planets, like it's all it's fragmented. And so, you know, I, I feel like maybe IT is more like the Star Trek universe. It's never like, you know, one thing takes over fully. There may be certain concepts, like, for example, we were just discussing, like, you know, I, I've, I've been developing, I wouldn't call it a theory, but just some idle thinking that basically, and I, I don't know, you'll probably see stuff like this as well, but it'd be interesting ongoing to see it, that basically, I don't know, every five or 10 years, we kind of like re-implement older ideas to make them better. Like... A lot of what, what we, were, we were describing there is related to, uh, what, what did we used to call it? Uh, infrastructure as code. Was that IAC? There was even some abbreviation for it, which is, you know, like our, an early DevOps thought about automating things. And now, uh, and it was, again, on behalf of developers. And now we're automating stuff again on behalf of developers. And I think, I think it's tied to, again, only for good as we evolve the, the platform. It'd be easy to be cynical about it and be an old old person and be like, ah, you kids, doing the same thing over again. But like, I think, I think uh, you know, we get a better chunk of infrastructure and then that requires a new stack of automation on top, which also kind of drives new new UI stuff, which totally cool. But speaking of, speaking of new, new, uh, new better things, there's a bit of service mesh stuff to, t- to, to touch on as well, right? I think is the, uh, the last item. There is. Yeah, so that was the other one I'd picked up on, which was um, Cilium by Isovalent. Well, it's obviously the open source and Isovalent do the kind of, you know, the enterprise grade sold version. Um, but they've just released a new version, which interestingly was 1.12. Yet actually, when you look at the features, you know, it could have been a V2 release. There's a huge amount of extra functionality in there. And the big one, I guess, is that they're now including their own service mesh in there. Um, there's been a bit of a, I'd almost say a war of words, but sort of everyone's been watching this trend of service mesh has always had a challenge with complexity and all these things, the fact you have to deploy sidecars. And then you've got eBBF coming along, um, which is this whole, you can embed a ton of sort of functionality into the kernel. 
and potentially skip a load of the complexity, certainly for service mesh, for security, some other areas. And Cilium's kind of led the way there. They've been the, the trendsetters and saying, hey, this might be a better way of doing things. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how right they are. You know, there's, there's two sides to every argument, if not more. Um, but this certainly is a big release for them. There's a load of extra functionality in there. You know, networking is not my strength. So I understand where they're adding in bits. I, I can certainly read their arguments and say it's easier, better, more performant. You can do some super magic source by being having this access to the kernel. Um, but it'd be interesting to see where that goes, I guess. You know, they've got a lot of, a lot of good people over there, some very good ex-VMware people over there as well. So an interesting one to watch. I mean, what, what do you guys know on the networking side? What's your thoughts on eBPF and all that evolution? Honestly, it goes over my head a lot of the times. But uh, I... If we can rewind a second, so so you know the service mesh thing with the sidecars—that's been the way that it's been done for a long time, isn't it? That's been the mm. sort of uh, collective best efforts thinking on how to achieve that sort of cross-cutting concern next to all your apps deployed via some sort of control plane. So here instead, we've got a technology that is baking that into. The kernel instead as part of the operating system so that you don't have to do that anymore is that what is is that roughly yeah works? yeah i'm like when i first read about it i was a bit confused because i've always my you know my historic doing a degree in computer science was always like the kernel is this tiny tiny piece of code that is uber jealously guarded because obviously if, if something gets into your kernel and you don't want there you're in a world of pain yeah so then saying, you know what, we'll take all that code you've written out in the real world and we'll just stick it in the kernel. Sounds like a disaster. <laughs> Sounds like, no, no, kernel, you know, kernel maintainers are, they're like the elite guys. They take forever doing all this. If it's not approved by Linus, then it doesn't go in the kernel. So the idea that you're like, hey, you know what, take your old code out there, just stick it in here and it will suddenly be better seemed a bit weird to me. Um, but I do get the idea that if it is appropriately vetted and only has certain remits, it can be, because it's closer to the kernel, it's just more efficient. And it can do more things without having to say, you know what, run a sidecar in every instance, because the kernel does become at least your central point of control, I suppose. Um, so it gives people a new way to say, actually, here's a central point. We can go and check everything instead of having to distribute it all around the world. And I'm sure there's a million pros and cons for all this, right? Whether it's design, sort of the architecture. But I guess as a consumer of this stuff, and I'm not a networking guy, but I, if I was having to deploy service mesh and that meant doubling up my containers everywhere or didn't, if this was just simpler, and I can almost say someone else worry about that, right? You know, whether it's isovalent, whatever, you've written stuff, it's in the kernel, does some magic, don't know how, but it does, and it makes it simpler for me. Happy days. It sounds like a, a super cheap way to, uh, to you know, cut down on resource use, but I'm really interested how they're going to deal with things like updates. Yeah, um, you know, and I don't CDs know that. and that's sort of no. fascinating stuff. Yeah, sounds really good. Yeah, you know, I I was I was well, I guess this isn't entirely true, but when I was aware of being a programmer, I was raised as a Java programmer, and so I always hear like, you know, I don't know, once 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 you start messing around with with the kernel and the networking, I feel like you've been a bad programmer. Like you're not <laughs> you're not you're not supposed to like break out of the uh, the upper layers of things. However, you know, it it maybe philosophically, if if what you mean by putting stuff in the kernel is just like messing around with the operating system in one of the containers that your application runs in. Then at some point, just the operating system isn't this like uh, this like sacred thing at the bottom of the foundation that you can't mess with. 
it's just like another piece of like your application layer that you can do whatever you like with. And then if you have like four more layers of that underneath your application, which seems like madness, but here we are, then, uh, you know, do whatever, right? And, and that it seems like that, that sort of like approach of like, as we were talking about, like the kernel is like this little foundational thing that we don't mess with. Then it just becomes another like malleable layer in the stack. And maybe that like, um, what's the word? I get my C words like coherent and comprehensive, but there's some word that is like, you know, it's uh, whatever. They, instead of, you know, the, there's a kernel at the bottom that's, that's like that little small secure one and everything up above it is just, you know, whatever. Packages. Yeah. Fed money. Yeah. <laughs> who who, there who was knows? A, there was a lot of chats years ago, wasn't there, about um, micro kernels. You know, this was this mm. was also the idea of modifying the kernel to strip out a whole bunch of stuff that you don't need in order to reduce the security footprint and to also increase the boot times and reduce memory overhead and that sort of stuff. Kind of went quiet, but I definitely remember there being, you know, talk of having this idea of a malleable you know, not a kernel is a fixed thing, but a kernel is a flexible thing. Um, so yeah, really interesting stuff. That well, was so a good trend, wasn't it? That was, yeah, like it came along. Everyone went, Hey, Docker's idea is to just strip everything down to what you need for that app. Can we not extend that all the way to the kernel and go, We don't need a multi purpose kernel either. We this one just needs to do these things. Wouldn't that be the logical endpoint for it? Oh, um, only, only what's needed the austere cloud. Just pay back to <laughs> to what's required. I love it. <laughs> well, so uh, you know, also in uh, since last we recorded, which was never uh, in 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 the past few weeks, uh, we had a we had a, a large release of one of our uh, I don't know one of our major suites, if you will, that does a lot of these things we were talking about, the Tanzu application platform, version one point two. Now, I don't know if if Ed is going to make one of his rulings. Was that more like a 2.0 release or, or a point two? <laughs> I think I think one of the, one of the things we found is whenever we want a ruling on a dot release versus a, a point release, we now have a go to source, I someone know. who who can. Uh, I think for legal reasons, we'll stick to what we said. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. But I, you know, it's always it's always it's always good to know that we we have a source if we want to discuss. Is this is this really like a point one or a point one dot two a? What and is it an A or a B? Like what? What are we doing here? Are we back in the Star Trek thing again? Because didn't they have the Enterprise one A and exactly. one B and all that? Yeah, so inscrutable star dates. They're just like uh, <laughs> we can figure those out. I but now, also just coming back to that though, Michael, the whole Star uh, Trek thing. Just remember that in Star Trek, in order to fix anything, they blow up the Enterprise. That's oh, that's true. How they fix hmm. it? How are we going to fix this? Let's blow up the Enterprise. And it, so yeah, Perfect. well. Immutable infrastructure. That's exactly how it should be. I, I think I think that's this. I mean, just to just to to get like too deeply philosophical again. I think you would have a good paper there about the 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 Star Trek universe's position on Theseus's ship, because if they've blown up the Enterprise many times, not only have they taken it apart and replaced it, they've just obliterated it. But it's still the <laughs> Enterprise. So there's a definitive answer in the uh, the Star Trek universe to that but, to that problem. You know, to 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 also support the metaphor it's got a lot of modernization built in to that particular universe <laughs> they modernize every couple of years don't they yeah yeah the the the, the enterprise is just an idea a logos if you will in, in scotty's head <laughs> and so it always exists as long as he does or transmits it to someone else 
Anyhow, well, now you've done several videos uh, uh, kind of highlighting things in the Tanzu application platform uh, 1.2, Ben. What are, what are, your, what are some, some notable things you like in this release? Uh, quite a lot of stuff, actually. So, so I, I like the fact that now the, um, the IDE experience, uh, so, you know, developers working in their IDE can go all the way from create through update, debugging, uh, all the way through to um, deleting applications all on the platform. So it means you don't have to leave your IDE for anything. And I've been using this quite a lot this past few weeks as I'm uh, in the process of putting together my talk for um, uh, Explore uh, mm. 2022, which will happen in about a month's time. So I've been using this uh, this feature, you know, firsthand, and it's great. It's really powerful. You can... You can go in there and use the accelerators that are already in the Tanzu application platform to create your, um, you know, your code uh, project. You can push that project straight to the platform without having to check it in or, or you know, formalize it in some way. You can run it. You can debug it. You can even change it live. And then when you're done, you can delete the workload and it's gone again. And that's well, you don't have to leave your IDE, so productivity is very high in in you know working in that way. So I like that. So that's one of the major sort of um, uh, touch points for one point two is the fact that you can go all the way through that lifecycle inside your IDE. Um, there's loads of others as well. I know um, there's a really good video out there by my colleague Miles, which is all about the uh, GitOps flow that has been introduced in one point two. So you can have things like um, uh, the platform create um, change requests for you and, and check them into uh, into into Git and then have those flow through to um, your different uh, types of clusters, whether it's your production cluster or your staging cluster or whatever. That's also really, really powerful. Um, there's a whole bunch of other stuff as well. I'll uh, tell you a few of the highlights from the, uh, from the list if he gives a second. Uh, we've got Airgap as well. So, um, you, you know, you can install the whole platform in an internet free environment which is uh, pretty powerful if you're uh, you know sovereign uh, concerns for example uh, the sorts of concerns that you have so you don't need an internet connection to uh, to install it anymore um we've got more support coming along for more ides as well so intellij is getting a similar plugin to the one that we have for vs code that's really good um really basic but quite fun is if you've already built a whole bunch of applications and you're used to creating um, containers using docker files so if you normally use docker file and you have a docker file description of that container we can now take that docker file uh, description and build that docker file for you uh, that docker uh, image for you on the platform using an integration um, with a uh, an open source piece called Kaneko. Uh, which is really good. So you don't even need to, um, you know, can bring along your existing code with the existing Docker file, give it to the platform. The platform will build that into a Docker image for you and run it as a workload, which is which is also really really good. And we have some new stuff with AWS as well. My um, my colleague um, Ryan uh, did a great video on that, uh, which is uh, basically we're, we're now in the AWS marketplace. So you can go into the AWS marketplace and you can choose to create a Tanzu application platform there. And it will go through a whole sort of install uh, script for you and create all the things that you need 
for your uh, Tanzu application platform to uh, to spin it up in AWS with all the sort of local AWS features like ECR, et cetera. So you those know, are the highlights, I think. As, as I was watching the, uh, I think you mentioned it, but like kind of a, a, a demo of the supply chain stuff where, you, you know, there's integrations to, to, to sneak and some other things like that. Like, I, you, you, I, I was thinking like it is, uh, especially when you can bring things into your ID, like you were saying, it starts to, it makes it easier for a developer to think about all that infrastructure stuff as part of their application and kind of like think about how they're programming the way that their application is built. It's not some sort of like separate tool chain that they have. I don't know if that's the effect that will happen, but like uh, definitely like if you want your developers, this is going to sound ridiculous now that I've said it out loud in my head, but like if, if you want developers to start paying attention to something, it's good to get it in front of them <laughs> instead of well, instead of being in a, in a different like tool area, so to speak, or a different UI or something, but to kind of have it uh, in their primary workspace, uh, I guess, literally speaking, even though that's a metaphor. Well, yeah. look, if you if you compare it to what normally happens in the world of Kubernetes, you know, I, I've, I've developed applications against Kubernetes and, and work with clients on uh, similar problems as well. And, oh, my word, there's a lot of work to do. You know, it's a it's a, a YAML nightmare where you've got to describe all this stuff just to get your one tiny workload actually run on that platform be you know maintained by that platform there's a whole bunch of busy work that you have to do mm. i'm genuinely enjoying the hell out of not having to do any of that <laughs> because it was never adding much value to what i was doing so the fact that i can go into the id and just say create me this java app and run it over there on kubernetes for me and that's it i mean that's literally all i did was say give me that run it there is very, very liberating and uh, it saves me a lot of work. So yeah, I'm very happy with that. You want to you save, save, the, save the complicated things for when you're making like enchiladas and just to have everything else be <laughs> pre-made for you. But I was interrupting you, Ed, you're, you're going to say. I was just going to say, so for me, VS Code, my analogy, which is not as good as your Star Trek one, I'm sure, is like I do quite a lot of fitness stuff, particularly for our Olympic stuff we're doing internally, right? But if it doesn't happen in Strava, if you haven't logged that activity in Strava, everyone's like, didn't happen. You know, <laughs> made it up, et cetera. For me, that's VS Code. You know, if you talk to the developer, if it didn't happen in VS Code, didn't happen, not interested. And everything I've done is all VS Code. So the more things get integrated and everything kind of is now, right? It's like, uh, I'm in VS Code. Can I click a button and do it here? If so, brilliant. If not, not interested. Job done. Yeah. So the fact we're, we're integrated there now is a, a very good thing. I feel, I feel like the longer I talk with you two, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get motivated to actually like uh, do some programming again. That, that'll be great. This, be, be, I'll, I'm not going to make a, this year's almost more than half done. So it's not going to be a calendar year 2023 goal or whatever year this is. No, wait, this is 2022. See? Yeah. So it will be that. I, I don't know, but we're in fiscal 2023, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's there you go. See, I got it mixed up. I got the wrong why. Uh, anyhow, well, I, I had I had some uh, some some plans to have some backstage conversation, but I think I think we we had some sufficient conversation. And also, my son is trying to become a guest star here. Uh, <laughs> but I I think I think maybe we'll we'll uh, carry the the backstage discussion over to uh, to another episode. And just as as a brief thing before we uh, go to some introductions, like I was saying, uh, you know, we mentioned service mesh a little bit, and we're we're going to have one of our coworkers, Oranon, to talk about not only service mesh but security in Kubernetes. 
we'll see when that comes up sometime very soon. And also, you mentioned VMware Explore Bin, which is always a good reminder that I too should work on my presentations. Now, <laughs> we I'm actually doing two, and we sent in slides, which in theory means that I'm fully ready to go. Uh, so I'm glad I'm ready to go. That's a, that's a relief uh, that I'm totally finished. Anyways, uh, but that is going to be uh, August 29th to September 1st, uh, which which will be uh, fun. But if you go to, I think if you just search for VMware Explorer, it used to be called VMworld, uh, you can find it. Yeah. Now, I think uh, that that's... No, no, I'm still here. I'm still here. That said, so I want, here's some introductory stuff. So, you know, we, uh, we here at uh, v, VMware Tanzu and then at Pivotal, like, I've, I've hosted the, a podcast for us for, for many, many years. And the most recent version of it is uh, that I think we did for the past three or four, I guess it'd be three, like it was called uh, Tanzu Talk with our, our, our former coworker, Richard Soroder. We would come on about every week, except when I was busy or slacking off and uh, go over a little bit of news uh, that was gathered together, industry and our own news as we just did. And then we would sometimes have a, uh, a topic that Richard and I would talk about or a guest that we would interview. And so I've been long neglecting uh, doing this. So I finally found two good people to, who uh, uh, can help out with it and work on it, as we just demonstrated. So I thought we would uh, have a go at restarting it again to have sort of like a weekly what's going on in this space thing, talk about kind of the relevant uh, uh, VMware and Tanzu stuff that has come up in the past week or so. And then uh, we'll probably have some guests and I, well, probably we will. Ben's probably like, we're definitely going to have guests. Uh, but uh, I'm not sure if I, if, if I'll make them, if we'll make them as separate episodes or kind of um, what's the word, merge them onto a news thing, whatever. I don't think it really matters. We'll figure it out. Um, but, but why don't, uh, why, why don't you introduce yourself uh, briefly, Ed, and kind of just uh, for, for the listener, go over who you are, what your deal is. We know you use VS Code. And uh, that, that anything athletic has to be logged or it did not exist. Exactly. And I am the master. Well, I'm the master of version control. That's what I've claimed already, isn't it? But, uh, <laughs> I, I honestly don't know if there's much more you need to know about me. Right? I was, so I was an infrastructure guy. I went through the classic help desk, through service support, through storage and so on. Um, and then, yeah, I was on the customer side for a long, long time. I got dragged into VMware forever back in the day because I thought ESX and vMotion was magic. Um, I started blogging about that back in 2007 or eight or something like that, which hooked me into the whole VMware, both ecosystem and everything else. And eventually I ended up working here uh, and fast forward eight years, I'm still here, still loving it. Um, and the world has, you know, changed around me um, and I'm doing like everyone else, trying to keep up with the, the new tech, new way of doing things, the coding I'd love to be doing more of, frankly. Um, it was a pivot in my career, that one, actually. I, my very, very first job out of university was a, a placement year and I went to be a COBOL programmer, um, mm. which dates me quite a bit. But anyway, and I turned up on day one for this insurance company in the UK and they had, I don't know, 20 students. And they, so when I arrived, they said, you know what? We may not actually have enough COBOL jobs for everybody <laughs> that we've offered a job. Do you want to do tech support instead? And that forever changed my career. So, you know, I hankered to get back to coding one day. Um, but yeah, not now. I'm a very well, yes coder, let's be fair. That's quite the switch from going from programming to to I, to support it would be if you'd ever done much right you're i was a green student i didn't know much uh, so i was like well i've theoretically know some coding in ada and other stuff that i've done on my degree course and i theoretically know a little bit about hardware and then it was like which one are you going to learn more about well i, I went the infrastructure route 
See that 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 you know you know how I was uh, trying to articulate how uh, you know you start thinking about the kernel as part of your your middleware or your stack and like I maybe maybe you have more experience than I do but I feel like if you're doing kind of like COBOL and mainframe programming you're encouraged to like consider the operating system part of your application stack right and so it would be more I guess if you told a mainframe person you're going to mess with the kernel they would just like force you to leave the room yeah yeah they, they wouldn't like that but. Mm -hmm. There's there's a different style of programming I think that you do in uh, that environment than than other ones. Yeah, I just remember all mine was always higher level languages, right? I thought as time went on, the languages would get more and more abstracted. So the idea we're now stepping back towards kernel seems odd. That should have been long forgotten. You know, nobody codes in assembly language anymore. I learned that when I was like twelve. I was super proud. I coded some little demo thing in assembly language. It was no use to me in future life whatsoever because nobody does that anymore. Why would you bother? There's far easier ways of doing it. Mm. Um, so yeah, interesting. Everything is said, everything goes around in cycles. We forget about the kernel and then 10 years later, we decide it's actually quite useful if we go back and revisit it and chop and change it a little bit. It's all gone WebAssembly. That's what's happened. Well, now. there you go. Uh, yep, that's yeah, there's a nice segue for a future episode, maybe. There is. How, how, about, how about yourself, Ben? <laughs> tell, tell people a little bit about, about what your deal is. Well, Ed went back quite far there, so I so I feel like I'm obliged to do the same. So so you know, originally I started in uh, in sales and marketing, believe it or not, uh, direct marketing, in fact, and then uh, managed to uh, to to get a job coding uh, sort of marketing databases and and stuff like that, and then I turned that into a career in uh, in in coding for quite a long time. I was a Java programmer, much like yourself, Cote, but nowhere near as talented. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then um, I spent probably about uh, I don't know ten years or so as a as an architect as well, helping folks to uh, you know modernize systems and integrate. I did uh, quite a lot of integration over the course of my career. I spent a fair amount of time with Java and Spring and various other things. And these days now I'm uh, I'm back into marketing and helping folks uh, to understand the. Uh, different technologies that we have and how they work and how you can get started with them and um, hopefully encouraging folks to try them because uh, because I think they're really good and I hope that others uh, feel the same way after they've seen some of my stuff. So yeah, that's what I enjoy doing these days is trying to help other people to um, understand what we've got and hopefully uh, demystify it somewhat and perhaps even inspire them to try it. Yeah, you're definitely uh, you. You've put out a lot of. Uh, you're experimenting with the video formats available now, in addition to the non-experimental ones. But uh, it's it's fun. It's always fun to see someone trying to figure out like how to use all these wacky video formats in the in the nine sixteen ratio instead of <laughs> and and figure out what works because it is. Uh, you know, I I too have done a study of all the video stuff out there, and I think it is totally inconclusive about what works and doesn't. It's uh, my fear is that it'll be the same thing as always, that it's the content that matters, which just like that's, no one can come up, come up with good content frequently enough. Like you, you only have like a couple of them. Well, maybe you have more than me, but if it relies on the content, I'm in trouble because I've only got so much. <laughs> Well, maybe the maybe the listeners and watchers can you know help us out with some of this stuff. I put out very recently. I put out an, a nine by sixteen video. Uh, I was following Kote's lead because obviously he's the uh, trailblazer here on this format uh, for uh, for the Dockerfiles thing that we were talking about. Ah, um, oh, yes. 
before. So, uh, so yeah, check it out on YouTube. Tell us what you think. We always I think I th your comments. I we think what we've been missing it. What we've been missing is adding music to it. We need to find out what the popular music is every I week know. and put that in there. Oh, don't! I have a I have an artist in mind, and I think I'm going to have to ask legal if they'll like you know licenses a few tracks. <laughs> I'm thinking uh, about this stuff all the time. Don't you just set off another? That would be unfortunate. Well, uh, yeah. I so so I'm Cote. I I work on the developer advocate team, but I spend most of my time, as I tell people, like studying how people, how management and executives, studying the process side of things, and how large organizations uh, switch over what they do. So uh, hence, not using uh, CLIs very much anymore, but just talking about how uh, people do their work and stuff like that. And uh, so we have this, the, we'll have this in a uh, uh, three exciting formats. Let's see. One, just a traditional podcast. So if you go to tomzutalk.com or if you've already been subscribed and just haven't heard this in a while, you can just download those uh, whenever we release them into your podcast player. That's how... We won't go over how podcasts. I mean, if you don't know how a podcast works, it, it's wonderful. You subscribe to it and it gets downloaded for you. It's fun stuff. But well, it's only some, there'll be some people right now going, "What the hell? I thought they were dead." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Hopefully, hopefully that's uh, that's uh, a relief for some people. But then also, also, uh, you know, we'll we'll do a live streaming of this, which is fun. So uh, hopefully, we'll do it uh, like on Mondays at uh what time did we agree to is it this one like otherwise it tuesday i think we oh, no. tuesdays you're right don't, so don't don't listen to what i just said we'll do things on tuesdays at i think uh 11 a.m uk time noon uh amsterdam you know central european time and so you can uh, you can turn into the live stream for that and maybe we'll even learn i don't know about y'all but but i i don't have i'm not good at talking with people in the stream you're supposed to acknowledge them and say hello and do all these things, but I, I, that would I don't. Be fun. I don't really do that. And then maybe also since we were kind of doubling up as a podcast, it would be a little awkward uh, to to have that in there. But we'll figure something out. And then of course that means since it's live streamed, it's archived as a video. At uh, if you subscribe or just bookmark the VMware Tanzu YouTube channel, you can go find it there. And then with that, I think uh, good job, you two. I think we have a first episode here. We'll be back next week uh, to sort things out. So you want to say bye? Absolutely. Bye. Goodbye, everybody. Well, Thanks for listening. Let's Thanks hope for, watching. for more thrilling news next week. Come on. Exactly. It was proud. That's right. Somebody do something good. <laughs> <laughs>